Recovery Elevator, episode 435. I didn't want it to pass in a, in a total fog and, you know, wake up, you know, in 20 years and, and realize that I just drank their childhood away. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Listeners, on today's episode, we have Alex. He's 35 years old from Lincoln, Nebraska, and took his last drink on January 20th, 2023. Great job, Alex. Okay, welcome to season five of the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My goodness. Episode one of this podcast dropped on February 25th, 2015. I remember that date well because it felt as if a thousand butterflies had inhabited my stomach. I remember saying to myself when the podcast launched, what the hell am I doing? I'm going to crash and burn so hard in front of thousands of people. Well, 10 million plus downloads later, I haven't had a drink and we're still doing it. The possibility of me veering into a metaphorical ditch at any moment still exists, but by the grace of the universe and from the support of the listeners, we are all doing just fine. And I sure as hell don't plan on going back to the bottle. Why is that? Well, it's because the miracles keep on coming. So today, we're going to cover what's the plan for season five. I'll introduce the team, our concepts, the themes, our values, the podcasting schedule, and more. But before we do that, let's hear from an exciting new sponsor, Athletic Greens. Thank you to our newest partner, Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens daily. I gave AG1 a try because I noticed that I was taking multiple supplements a day and I was searching for something that took care of my immune system as well as gut health all in one. I'm training for another marathon and I take AG1 in the morning before getting my run in and it makes me feel like I'm ready to conquer the day. I'm a busy working mom and it gives me such peace of mind knowing that I'm helping my body by providing it with all of the nutrients that it needs in a day. I've been taking AG1 for two months now and I have noticed how good I feel throughout the day and how I don't immediately need caffeine upon waking up. All you have to do is mix one scoop of AG1 with water and voila, your cells will be grateful. One daily serving of AG1 contains 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash recovery. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash recovery. Check it out. Thank you, Odette. Listeners, Athletic Greens sent us some sample products and I loved it. After just a couple days of taking their supplements, I noticed an uptick in energy that wasn't followed by a crash. Thank you for supporting our sponsors, listeners. That's a big reason we keep this show alive. I want to say thank you to all of our Cafe Ari chat hosts. You guys do such an incredible job. And today is going to be a good day. In fact, today has already been a good day. Okay, let's get started. Again, welcome to season five. Here's a quick recap of the seasons. Season one, it was a long one. It was episode one to 276. Season two, 276 to episode 330. Season three, 331 to 382. Season four, 
383 to 434. And here we are, season five, starting at episode 435. We're going to roll for 52 straight weeks to episode 486. Now, who's going to be behind the mic? Well, if it's not broken, don't fix it. I will be doing most of the intros with Chris doing every sixth intro. And just like last season, Chris and I will be splitting the interviews. I want to introduce the podcast team. Our podcast hosts are myself and Chris Oyen. Our chief editing officer, just made that title up, is Ty. Ty has 15 plus years of sobriety, and her first episode editing this podcast was episode 25. That is 410 straight Mondays with Ty editing the podcast. Wow. Thank you so much, Ty. You are a ninja. Then we have Odette, who does the sponsorship reads. And then we have Robin S., who does the show notes. So that is your all-star sober squad for the remainder of 2023. We are here to help. Email info at recoveryelevator.com if you have any podcast topic ideas or if you'd like to share your story on the podcast. Along with the new season comes new intro and outro music. The main instrument in the intro music is the ukulele, with some piano and strings added in the background. When I hear the intro music, I think Mr. Rogers, which gives me a feeling that everything will be okay. And everything is okay. In addition, Mr. Rogers has a trolley, a train, and if you all know me, you know I love model trains. The outro music is a song I wrote a couple years ago that helps me get through difficult times. The song helps me change or raise my energy, and I hope it can do the same for you. I also play ukulele in the outro music. Before we get any further with season five, I want to cover what Recovery Elevator stands for. I want to cover some of the themes and concepts that Chris and I plan on driving home over the next 52 episodes. Let's start with our mission statement. The mission statement of Recovery Elevator is as follows. We offer hope through community and connection, partnering sobriety-seeking individuals with other like-minded people. That's it. Short and sweet. Now, here are six themes that Chris and I want to drive home over the next 52 weeks. Here they are. Number one, Recovery Elevator is inclusive, which mirrors the universe. We welcome all listeners who have a desire to quit drinking. We also welcome listeners who are listening in support of someone struggling with addiction or a drinking problem. We also welcome those tuning in to perfect their craft or trade as a counselor, doctor, or therapist. Theme number two, there is no right or wrong way to do this. We embrace all pathways out of an addiction as long as it is anchored in love. Look, the success rates for addiction are still quite grim. We have to be open to new pathways. And what's that line in the rooms of 12 steps? Contempt prior to investigation. Now I made a pact with myself over eight years ago to share with you the most impactful recovery modalities that I come across. And that still is the plan, but let's all remain open. Theme number three, connection. After eight years of podcasting, we have realized this is the most important component of ditching the booze. Yes, you can do it alone in the short term, but it's not sustainable in the long run. And it's a hell of a lot more enjoyable when you quit drinking with other like-minded individuals. Have you ever played Yahtzee by yourself? It's way more fun to play with other people, and the same goes with sobriety. Theme number four, don't just quit drinking. This would be the term a dry drunk. There is an incredible loving and supportive community just waiting for you to say hello. This could be Cafe RE, AA, Smart Recovery, or The Phoenix, and there are so much more. Just quitting drinking and not doing recovery work is a lifetime in the dentist chair. Trust me, 
the second more enjoyable chapter of your life is right there. It's already here. All you have to do is show up and say hello. Here's the fifth theme we'll be driving home this season. We cannot fight an addiction. What if the addiction is the key driver pushing us into our new, more authentic lives? I had incorrectly labeled my addiction as bad and why me for a number of years. However, I now see that I was never on the wrong path and it was my drinking problem that birthed me in the incredible life that I have today. No, my life is not perfect. It turns out cinnamon Pop-Tarts are not as healthy for you as I thought they were. But just like it says in the big book on page 417, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. The sixth theme is, we must pass along what we've learned to others. This is one of the primary purposes of why we are here on Earth. A couple days ago, listeners, I saw a snippet of a Morgan Freeman movie. Now, I can't tell you which movie it was, but there was a scene where Morgan Freeman was asked, what's the point of life? He says, to pass on what we have learned to others. Now, let's remix that to give future generations a better chance of survival than we have. And as Patrick says in our Ditching the Booze courses, we are all simply walking each other home. Yes, lots has changed in the history of humanity, but at the fundamental level, not much has changed at all. To make this more applicable to sobriety, this would be being of service. So welcome to season five, listeners. It's going to be another great 52 episodes, and we are honored to have you on the journey with us. We are also honored to be with you on your journey. And now let's hear from our sponsor, BetterHelp, before we hear from Alec. As some of you may know, I'm a mom of two, and now that my kids are getting older, it's getting a little bit hard to find the day-to-day balance since everyone has different schedules, different activities. It's a lot, and in all honesty, it feels very overwhelming to me. It's like playing real-life Tetris. And I know that even though I have a lot to juggle, keeping my weekly therapy session set in stone and as a non-negotiable really allows me to keep my mental health in check. The tools I learn in therapy help me not only in my recovery journey, but also with the day-to-day stressors in life. My kids also deal with stress, and passing on some coping skills to them is such a gift. We sometimes even take deep breaths together, and it definitely helps us out. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Elevator today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Elevator. Alex, how are you? Good, Paul. How's it going? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you very much for asking, Alex. I appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing your story with the Recovery Elevator listeners. Let's get right into this, Alex. When was your last drink? Uh, January 20th, 2023. January 20th, 2023. The time of this recording... We're hitting four, four and a half, five months right around there. Fantastic job. Alex, how are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm feeling probably the best that I've felt, you know, in my entire adult life, I'd say. You know, definitely have some some hard days mixed in there, but I'm starting to feel pretty balanced and, and good overall. So, All right, Alex, I try to go off, get off script sometimes. Here's a question. Was January 19th or January 20th, was that the first time you've tried to quit drinking? Uh, it was not. I had been trying. I had been trying for about a year, let's say, like actually trying uh, before that. Uh, I think two or three, like real attempts, and then giving up uh, a little bit. 
going back to to my lifestyle and then uh you know kind of getting fed up with it again and then trying yet again and i guess i would say like the past year year and a half is when i really started like like doing more research into into stopping drinking um because i was starting to realize that it was much harder than just saying i was going to do it well alex i'm excited to hear your story share it all with the listeners but before we do that Let's learn a little bit more about you. Can you give us a little background about yourself, Alex, where you're from, your age, maybe what you do for a living, do you have a family? And most importantly, what do you like to do for fun? Yeah, so I'm, I just moved back to Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, I'm 35. Uh, I've been married for seven years. I have three kids. And uh, yeah, what I like to do for fun, I, you know, I stay pretty busy with my family. Um, I recently got into kind of like, you know, landscaping or yard upkeep in, in my new house. And that's about all I have time for uh, for work. I work in the financial industry as a, a systems engineer. So I'm a computer guy. And yeah, that's it. That's that, I guess. Yeah. All right, Alex. Well, let's do what we came here to do. Give us some background about your drinking, about your relationship with alcohol. You can take it from the start if you like, maybe when you first started drinking. Let's Let's go for it. Uh, yeah, so I guess I I didn't really uh, drink as early as you know some of my friends or some people, you know I've I've heard on the podcast, but I guess still relatively early. I think I had my my first drink in maybe senior year of high school, so I was yeah seventeen or eighteen at that time. Um, I actually was pretty like against drinking in the beginning. A lot of my friends were you know starting to drink and experiment with it and. I probably, you know, hung out with them a few times, you know, 10 times, uh, like while they did it before I did it. And then, yeah, like one time I, you know, st stayed over at a friend's house in their basement, in his basement. Um, had, he had some friends over, his parents were upstairs and he had a bottle of like Tanqueray gin and we just drank out of that. So that was the first time I did it that I, you know, got like really crazy with it. And then I think like shortly after that, uh, went to a few parties, was around people older than me, uh, you know, kind of doing crazy drinking things to impress them, um, you know, and I kind of liked that, uh, you know, that it kind of made me stand out as someone at the party. And yeah, from there, I didn't drink like super regularly. It was every few weekends maybe, but when I did, it was always heavy. Like I didn't, I don't think I ever eased into drinking like even my whole life, I always hung out with people who were just like, like all or nothing type of people. I got, I guess, into trouble my first time in high school. I was, you know, drinking and unfortunately driving with a bunch of people in my car and got pulled over. I wasn't super, like super drunk. And the cop called my parents, had them come and get me and, you know, give me a minor possession charge instead of a DUI, which was really, really nice of him. Uh, I, you know, I was in trouble with my parents for a long time after that. And yeah, I mean, that was, I had consequences there. I mean, that had to be within the first year of, of drinking. I, after that, you know, I was, because of that, I was on probation. So I didn't drink that entire time. I was like way too scared to do that. Then I got to college, joined a fraternity. And that's like when stuff got like really crazy. You know, movies you see, like that's kind of like the, the life I lived for quite a while. I was never really drinking during the day, but you know, I was, you know, partying several nights a week. I was somehow able to keep my grades up, you know, the whole time. But I think that part of that was just like youth, I would say. So let me ask you a question. So you yeah. had, you got pulled over driving under the influence. 
you know, you, you got a lucky break. You went to an MIP yeah. and, you know, you went to a college fraternity, I, I think a four-year public institution that's contemporaneous with drinking your ass off in America. Was that, did you look at that MIP as kind of a one-off or while drinking in the future, was it, were there any red flags in college or were you just like, yeah, that'll never happen again. Lesson learned. I think like it was so common to know people that had been in trouble like that. It didn't really like, I didn't really think that I had a problem at that point. It didn't really scare me away. It was like really waiting for it to happen again type of thing before I would really have to deal with it, which eventually did happen actually. But yeah, even then, like it never, the, the consequences of it, like were never so bad. And I didn't, I just didn't think that the problem was bad enough that I needed to stop. I also really, really liked drinking. So I wasn't at a point where I was even considering like stopping because of those consequences. If they would have gotten like really bad, probably would have. Yeah, Alex, I've heard a quote once that perhaps one of the most dangerous part about alcohol is it kills by the inches or it kills slowly where other drugs, meth, cocaine, heroin, blah, blah, blah. It's, that stuff, yeah, the consequences accumulate fast, right? So in my own regard, same thing as like, well, that was seven years ago. That was five years ago. It wasn't, you know, that was, they're all one-offs. Now, after college, did your drinking start to phase out? I, I, I hear you've been married for seven years. You have three kids. Was there a time after college where you entered your adult life and it kind of took a backseat drinking? No, I would say like it probably became like even more of a part of my lifestyle to a certain extent. So I, I moved to, to Chicago and I was actually there for like 15 years and I didn't know anyone and drinking was an easy way to fit in. You know, I immediately like, not immediately, but eventually found people who drank and, you know, if they drank and you drank, then it was easy to like have them invite you and be a drinking buddy. So it was kind of like a somewhat easy way to make friends. And yeah, so I mean, when I went to move to Chicago, I went to grad school there got a you know kind of a part-time job and was just hanging out with heavy drinkers going to work super hungover uh feeling bad like pretty frequently but still able to just keep all my like responsibilities together you know with like red bull and whatever else i needed and again i think youth helped uh, quite a bit with that so that that it did not slow down and i actually think that at, at points I, re I remember like when i moved to chicago a few years after that when i you know started to get a more permanent job uh, thinking that I could never move back to Nebraska because it was so awesome, like just being able to go out and just get totally plastered and ha have a cab ride, like right outside any door I was at uh, and able to get home with like never having to worry about any of the consequences that I had in the past, like in terms in terms of getting trouble with the law. Yeah, um, sure, Alex. I think many of us unconsciously or consciously create a life that fits around our drinking patterns, right? Moving to a city where it could be an Uber or a taxi or a quick walk home. Um, I, I totally get that. That resonated with me. And Alex, I'm going to go back to the question I asked at the beginning of the interview was, was it your first time trying to quit drinking? I was assuming that question would be no. But for some people, it's it's, it's years, it's decades. They're trying to rein in this alcohol thing. And I think you mentioned it was about, about a year. So you're 35 right now. You know, when was that inner voice, which I always feel this is the inner child that's saying, yo, Alex, something, uh, we, something's out of balance here. We're drinking too much. You know, when was that inner notification, that inner guidance system alarmed, alerted that perhaps alcohol, you guys were going down a different path? I mean, that was probably back when I was in college. I think my senior year of college, I remember like, like one day mowing the lawn at this house I was renting and like, you know, my brother had been in trouble around the same time with other substances. And I was like, do I have a problem? And, and, and 
uh, that like really like shook me. And I, I, I didn't know what the answer to that was, like if I'm an alcoholic or not, even though, you know, I was blacking out or nearly blacking out at least twice a week. But what that kind of realization did at that point is it made me like that, that is when I came up with these really strict rules that I, for the most part, um, held to with quite a bit of effort for, you know, the next, I don't know, 10 years or so. Those rules got looser and looser as time went on, but that's when it started. Sure. I know some listeners are wondering, what were those strict rules? How did they soften up? And what were those lines in the sand that you eventually did cross? Yeah. So, I mean, it was the one I always stuck to for the most part, unless it was like vacation, was like no drinking during the day. It was always like after work or after school. Like I never got off from noon class and, and started drinking or I never got out. Or I mean, yeah, when I'm working, I guess it's kind of, sorry, it was easy to, to not drink during the day for me because I was at a job and I, I wasn't going to hide it. Um, so those, those were like the, or that was like the biggest one, the day drinking thing. Um, then the others were, you know, I would only do it Thursday through Saturday or three days a week. And I think for the most part, I, I stuck to that pretty well. I didn't drink alone super often, but I did, but that wasn't one of my rules, I guess. Yeah. Alex, how long were you able to maintain those rules rigid or not? I mean, they, they were, you know, I, I maintained those rules, give or take, like with a little bit of like looseness, I guess, for, for the, almost the entire time of my drinking career until like the end, I would say. Sure. And then when did the veneer start to crack, right? You're like, wait a second, now I'm doing this, this X, Y, and Z when I promised myself that I wouldn't. I think that that when that got really bad, it was more, more recently, you know, the past year and a half or two years, I think, I mean, COVID had a lot to do with that, um, you know, getting off work and not, you know, before COVID, I had an hour commute to kind of like gather my thoughts every day. If I wanted to drink, I could talk myself out of it. But when I got off work and I could just open up the fridge and like crack a beer instantly, that was like a big transition into to a bigger problem, I would say. Yeah, Alex, a, a solid commonality in the last three years of this podcast is until COVID. just want to let you know you're not the <laughs> only one where, yeah, the, the Pandora's box was open there. And, and listeners with these rules, it's, it's a yet scale and almost repercussions from drinking. One thing that I've learned, we're in episode 435, I think right now, is, you know, I've heard those rules that people have, have maintained those lines in the sand for decades. And all of a sudden, the late 50s, it's a yet. I'm not drinking before 5 p.m., 30, 40 years into it, then it's happening or at work. So, um, Alex, from what I hear, um, yeah, that's it's a common trajectory and you're doing great. I really appreciate you opening up and sharing your story. Sometimes I I do so many of these interviews that I don't quite think about the person in the chair about how vulnerable and how scary this must be. So Alex, I just want to recognize you're a total badass being here right now, man, sharing this story with, with several thousand listeners. You're doing awesome. And I'm on the same journey too. This is helping me. Dude, that, yeah. This is, this is like, uh, you know, I, I want to share because like the people who have shared on here have, have made such an impact on me that I want to, to, you know, give back in that sense. Whoa. I love hearing that. And I'm just going to throw it out one more time. You're here to share because you've heard other people sharing this podcast that has helped you. Wow. That right there is the point of this whole project. In fact, I saw a snippet of a Morgan Freeman movie a couple of weeks ago. Can't tell you the title of it, but he was asked, what's the point of life? Without hesitation, he said, to pass on what we've learned to others. And Alex, you're doing that right now, my man. Hell yeah. Love it. 
All right, Alex. So we're, we're getting closer to your sobriety date. You know, was 2022 a rough year? Uh, were there rock bottom moments? Was there that one line in the sand where you said, you know what, this has got to go? Were the repercussions with the family, with the children? Uh, you know, what made you embark upon a life without alcohol? You mentioned your senior year in college, probably 22, 23 around there, um, where you had, you questioned, but really what was the tipping point for you, Alex? Yeah, I think like, you know, becoming a father and really starting to need to be there for other people. I mean, being a husband, you know, that's one thing. I definitely wasn't uh, the best uh, husband I could have been to my wife, but, you know, having, having children definitely, you know, changed that quite a bit. And in, in 2020, uh, my son was born. It was actually right at the start of COVID, like two days before all everything happened. He's my middle child. So, you know, my second one. And uh, he came a few days early, or I guess a few weeks early. And I was, you know, outside drinking a few beers on, in the back uh, patio and my wife went into labor and I had to figure out how to get her to the hospital with a buzz. So that was the first time that I really started, started questioning, like when I was at the hospital, you know, I was like, this is starting to be like an issue. And then, yeah, after that, you know, waking up, you know, you know, hungover with crying babies, you know, that was not helping the whole situation. And as my my son got older and my daughter, who's older than him, as they got older, you know, putting them to bed and usually having a buzz and, you know, either not remembering parts of the books that I was reading them. The next morning, I wasn't remembering, you know, the night super vividly with them. And, you know, that in combination with knowing that, you know, a lot of parents, look back on these times as like some of the best times of their lives, like raising children, like even though it's hard, I didn't want it to pass in a, in a total fog and, you know, wake up, you know, in 20 years and, and realize that I just drank their childhood away. So that was what really made me start to start to question things. And, you know, then my, my wife, uh, you know, was pregnant with our, our third child, our daughter, who is now five months old, and you know, as she was getting ready to to go to the hospital, or I guess the few weeks uh, leading up to our, our daughter, our third child being born, I made my wife a promise that I wouldn't drink because I did not want to get into the same scenario as the previous child, where I wouldn't be able to take her to the hospital. And then I remember, like, wishing that time would pass and my daughter would hurry up and get here because I wanted to drink again. And that really hit me when I was like doing the dishes one night, I'm like, this is really messed up that I'm looking more forward to being able to drink again than to meet my daughter. I didn't know it was my daughter at that time, but to meet my, my future child. So that's when I really started to be like, okay, something is extremely out of balance here. Alex, thank you for sharing, right? You said, Hey, I I'm looking forward to drinking more than the birth of my daughter. Wow, that's that's incredible. And listeners, this part of the story of all the interviews that I've done is the most exciting, the most inspiring. When you have the moments of clarity, the writing is on the wall. You say, shit, I should probably quit drinking. I need to quit drinking. X, Y, Z, this is a major determinant deterrent in my life. Rules have been broken. This is where my life is going. This is who needs me, my 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 my, my new daughter, my my I have commitments, I have family. Right. And so you recognize, you bring awareness to an issue. Things have to change. 
On the flip side, there's a drinking problem. Alcohol is the most addictive molecule in the world. That's not my opinion. There's plenty of stats to back that up. And here's the part that just gets me behind the microphone every time. For us to make this jump, you have to get all parts of your mind, body, soul, unconscious, conscious. You got to get the whole Alex on board, little child, the full child, whatever. Whole part of Alex on board, we are going to quit drinking. How did you do it? So, you know, I think the thing that that made me like get to the point where I could do it was I had, I had tried stopping, you know, a few months prior. Um, and I realized how good I could feel. I think that time I made it 59 days. And I, the first time back after that, I, I was hungover trying to work. And I remember telling myself, wow, this really is life on hard mode. So like having like, that's something I've read in this like Reddit stop, stop drinking group that uh, I'm a part of and, you know, pretty active in is, you know, drinking being life on hard mode. So having that perspective into like how different I could feel, you know, made me actually want, want to like, try to kick this once and for all. In addition to, you know, like, like I said, just being a better parent. Um, so those two things helped quite a bit. Yeah. So how I finally did it is I woke up super hungover one day um, again, and this is in January after, you know, I had taken yet another like two week break and saying I was going to be done. Um, then feeling like I didn't end it properly enough or it wasn't a good enough ending. You know, it was just like some random night versus a big send off. And I, I wasn't happy with that. So anyway, I woke, I, I, I woke up, I was really hungover. I had been trying really hard, like to quit uh, for a long time. I even at one point had told my wife, like, hey, don't let me drink. Like, I can't drink, you know, anymore. Like, please don't make me drink. And that that's what where I was at with that two-week stint prior that I, that I was, was just talking about. And at the end of that, I kept, like, trying to talk my wife into drinking. At the same time, I was telling her not to tell me not to drink. And she finally told me, if you don't help yourself, I'm not going to help you. Because, like, you have to make this decision. I can't hold you accountable the rest of your life. So, yeah. And it's also not fair to put a spouse or loved one in, in between an addiction, right? That is a powerful force that, yes. yeah, ab absolutely. She, I mean, she was like the only thing at that point that, you know, I would, I would listen to what, if, cause I, I, I couldn't get to listen to myself, I guess. Yeah. Not fair. And I woke up that day and I was hungover again and I told myself, I was like, okay, everything I've listened to, you know, I need to do something drastic, um, to, to make this work. So I went that day to my first like online AA meeting. When you say that day, is this January 20th? Uh, this is actually the 19th. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. I went to an online AA meeting and, you know, another like tip I had read was if, if you want to just listen, you know, go to an, an online meeting, turn your camera off, change your name to like just listening or something. Um, and that's what I did. You know, I changed my name to Alex, just listening. They let me, li they let me listen in. And that was, that was it. And I remember during that meeting that, that seeing all the people in there um, who had been sober for uh, a really long time, this was like a pretty, an, an older group of people who had been sober for, for decades, I would say. Most of the people there had been sober for decades. And I remember seeing them and being like, this is not something I should be scared of or something that I should be ashamed of to be, like be categorized with these people. Like, I think that they have life figured out. They have like a light about them that I haven't seen in any of the people 
or drinking buddies that I've been hanging out with. And they, they, they made it okay for me to like be like one of them, if that makes sense. And then, you know, funnily enough, like I wanted to drink after that meeting still. Um, and I, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about, you know, drinking and stopping and coming back to this podcast of, uh, you know, the advice you've, you've given of like burning the ships. And so it's kind of funny because wanting to drink one more time is actually what, what enabled me to burn the ships is I texted my whole family and I told them that I have a drinking problem. Stuff's got really bad during COVID. I'm committing to a life of sobriety and I'm starting tomorrow. (laughs) So (laughs) I went out that night and I, I got really drunk one more time. You know, I went out with my wife, like it's so weird, but just to a restaurant and just ordered a bunch of beers. And I think I got kind of, you know, the better goodbye. Not that everyone should wait for a goodbye, but I got, I got that. And I also like burn the ships at the same time. So drinking, wanting to drink actually, you know, pushed me to like negotiate with myself to finally burn the ships, I would say. Wow. Alex, there's so much to unpack there. And let's let's go the day before on January 19th, you went to your first AA meeting. You said, Alex, just listening. That alone right there is a great strategy. If you were struggling, you can find an AA meeting online. There's They're very easy to find. Just Google search. Hey, I'm just listening. And in, instead of, you know, we have the stigma, you think you're going to enter, enter an AA meeting and people are just lost, um, you know, barely surviving. But it's in fact the opposite. It's like the Grinch, right? Wait, are they laughing? Are they smiling? Are they optimistic about life? Yes, I think they are. And you said there was a light that they had. I think you said something to that tune. And the next day or that night, you went out big and you burned the ships. What was the response of your family members? And that was January 20th. Yeah. What was the response? They were, you know, super understanding and, you know, proud of me. I mean, I I wasn't really hiding drinking in front of them. I, you know, I was always a, a strong beer person and, you know, drank at family gatherings. And I think a lot of them probably thought that it was a unhealthy amount, but never said anything. And so, yeah, they were, you know, happy for me. And, and I knew that my pride uh, would be a really strong uh, motivator for me to, to help me kind of get through those initial uh, days of sobriety. And, you know, it definitely worked. So. Okay. What were those first initial days of sobriety like? Um, yeah, so I would definitely say that, you know, people talk about the pink cloud. I I would say that I was definitely excited for the, you know, the first few days. Um, I, I started to, you know, I guess feel good after a, a, a few, you know, sleepless nights. And yeah, once I, you know, kind of powered through those, um, I kind of got in a groove. I remember like, you know, 10 days being in, getting a compliment at work for the first time in a long time. And yeah, I mean, my sleep, you know, I think that's one of the, one of the biggest improvements has definitely been sleep. Like I used to like have the hardest time falling asleep. Like the anxiety of going to sleep every day was a, a gigantic worry in my life. And that is basically hundred percent gone. Like I just go to sleep now. Like I'm, instead of being exhausted, I'm sleepy. Like I literally just go to sleep. Alex, sleep, super important. Right. Uh, and I, I was shaking my head up and down the fact of going to sleep and I was trying to log sober nights without alcohol. I knew I wouldn't sleep. Right. Um, so negating that issue right now is that's huge. You're sleeping well. 
Um, question, did you go back to that AA meeting? Has AA been a part of these four and a half months of this run? So I actually, I went back um, 60 days in and I like, I, I, I turned my camera on, introduced myself, explained that, you know, it was a lot of the same people there. I explained that I was there, you know, 60 days prior. And I, you know, basically thanked them for being there because they helped me get started on this journey. And that was the last time I, I went, I guess. I, I don't necessarily have anything against AA. I don't like, I have nothing uh, preventing me from going other than I think that, uh, you know, I didn't really want like a, a sponsor or someone to hold me accountable. I didn't want someone like texting me and checking in on me. So that was kind of like one of the, one of the main reasons I didn't do that, I would say. But yeah, I've been, I, I guess listening to podcasts and reading books and, you know, like, like I said, Reddit. So all those types of things have really helped me and and kind of have, have kept me where I'm at. Alex, that Reddit uh, stop drinking thread, I've I've heard a couple dozen times on this podcast, right? There, in, in 2023, there have never been more resources to help people quit drinking. Uh, maybe it's Reddit, maybe it's AA, maybe it's Cafe Ari, maybe it's podcasts and books. I've heard people that stay quit drinking and have stayed sober just by recovery podcasts. When I first started, I think there were six. I was maybe the fifth, sixth, or seventh. I don't know. Now, I think there's two to 300 recovery podcasts at least. How awesome is that? Now, Alex, I think I heard you say 59 days alcohol-free before this run. If I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, we're in uncharted waters, right? How? What's the plan moving forward? Is this a long-term thing? Is it one day at a time? Like, where, where's your stance with that? Yeah, so I actually wanted to share like, you know, uh, you know, regarding the the Reddit like stop drinking thing and in this uncharted waters, uh, in, in the summer, like the you know, the previous summer when I was trying to to quit, I, I I originally said I wanted to quit forever, and then I changed it to 100 days, and I made it 59, and I I started drinking at 59, and so I, I and as I was like on Reddit, that you know, I was always really jealous of the people who got to the number 69 because they make this big joke about it, and everyone you, you like post on your 69th day, and everyone just comments nice, like nice, 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 nice. And it's just this really, you know, dumb, dumb type of joke. So like, I always had this like guilt that I never got to, to 69. And so this is kind of like, yeah, definitely something I, I wanted to share here. So I'm glad you brought that up. So on, on my, on my current, uh, you know, stint of sobriety or forever, hopefully, you know, forever. The thing I wanted to say is I, I, I feel like I've had some sort of like miraculous like intervention here because on my 69th day, like it was this really big day for me. I mentioned it to my wife and I did not say anything to anyone else the whole day, but it was always a goal I wanted to get to. Um, and it sounds silly that this is, this is the number or whatever. And, you know, but that, that day was a huge accomplishment for me because I, I made it to this, this, you know, day that is like a big deal on Reddit. And that night, you know, I was putting my I was helping my wife, you know, get the kids ready for bed and she had to go put our, our newborn daughter to bed and she left me in charge of the two older kids. And they were like, they knew nothing about this whole like day 69 thing. And they were being like better than normal that night. And I just kind of let them play while I was upstairs and I wasn't really rushing to put them to bed like I normally would be. And, you know, I heard them kind of like giggling and laughing and I went down like 20 minutes later than I normally would have probably put them to bed and they, you know, they're four and two years old. So they don't know, like, you know, the significance of like 
numbers in any, any way like that is other than, you know, just like counting them, I guess. Is sure. what I yeah, yeah. And they had built this gigantic Lego tower. And, you know, I wish I could show you a picture of it. And they've also never built anything like this, like grand, I would say. So it was like this tower that was grand. And then the number 69 was in the middle of the tower and these numbered Legos. And, no way. And they had they had no idea of this thing. And my wife was the only other person home and uh, she was upstairs. So it was like super, super crazy for me. Wow. Yeah. Um, the, the Swiss psychologist, psychiatrist, Carl Jung, his work on synchronicities and the breadcrumbs of life that the universe can provide you is absolutely incredible. And yeah. I think his remark would be, yes, that's, that's a sign from the universe saying, absolutely, Alex, you're on the right yeah. path. And it came through your children and, yeah. and the ages of two and four, they're definitely more connected to source, to spirit than they are in the form world. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Alex. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that's been a huge motivator for me too. You know, I mean, I think I'm fortunate in the fact that I feel like I've gotten some sort of like sign there, you know, I've always been a, a somewhat religious person. So that that's been huge for me. Um, but then also like, you know, the other things that have, uh, you know, kept me sober this, uh, throughout you know, the past 130 days is just like, um, you know, waking up clear minded every day, you know, playing the tape forward um, and undoing all this, you know, remembering I would go back to waking up at 3am and just feeling absolutely terrible and dreading the day. And yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I, I was, I felt like I was kind of like fast forwarding through life, not, you know, appreciating any of the the special moments with my kids. And um, I definitely feel like I'm getting those now. Um, I, you know, I think I don't, I don't know if it was in a podcast, uh, you know, a recovery elevator podcast or, um, you know, your alcohol is shit book. But I remember like reading something about like drinking, taking like the spirit out of you, you know, like or the spirit out of life or the the connection. Um, and I definitely feel way more connected now to, to the special moments of life, like things that used to be like very mundane or have like a little bit more like pop and like magic to them now than, the, than they did when I was, you know, just struggling to get through the day or always focusing on when the next time I was going to be able to drink was. So, so, you know, trying to keep all that into perspective and then, you know, listening to, you know, this podcast on a weekly basis, um, I would say is what, what's kind of gotten me to where I'm at now. Alex, I want I want to comment on hard mode earlier. I love that analogy, right? And here we are, you know, 130 days in. Let's talk about your family, your three children, a career. Is it still on hard mode or, or without the alcohol? I mean, let's get real. Life can be a kick in the goat blocks, the pants at any given day. But is it still on hard mode or is it a little easier without the alcohol? It's I, I would say it's like quite a bit easier and. I would say it's like significantly easy, easier now. Like if, if you take out the, um, the times when I'm like tempted to drink, like just the day to day, I would say it's easier. You know, I'm more patient with my kids. I, I always like, I remember like, you know, back when I was drinking heavy, I used to tell myself, like, I would almost justify my drinking. Like when my kids were crying and stuff and say, like, I don't know how any parent in the world could ever not drink. Like I would look at people who didn't drink and think that they were absolutely like crazy. And I don't know how they could do it. And now I look at it and I, I don't understand how people can drink and parent. Like it is that much different on the other side. Like, just like, like my, my patience, my demeanor, just like kind of feeling like I'm, I'm flowing through life versus like being on a roller coaster all the time, like getting yanked back and forth. Uh, my emotional extremes are like 
way less low and way less high, just kind of like, you know, bobbing up and down a lot more. So yeah, that is very significantly different and now no longer on hard mode. All right. Alex, solid, solid stuff. I, I really appreciate you sharing your story with alcohol. We have reached the rapid fire round. If, if you could answer these questions within 10 to 30 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, Alex, number one, what is the one thing you've learned about yourself since quitting drinking? That I'm not as naturally riddled with anxiety as I thought I was. What's your best sober moment? Uh, the Lego experience I shared earlier. Love that story. What's your favorite alcohol-free drink, Alex? Uh, Lagunitas Hoppy Refreshers. It's like a hop-flavored water. Yeah, right. What's the point of life? Yeah, I mean, I think it is, it's to love and, you know, to help others grow, I would say. What's your favorite 90s band? Ooh, I think Blink-182 or Green Day. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> now we're talking. What are, your, what are some of your favorite sobriety resources, Alex? Uh, yeah, so I've done, you know, or I don't think I've completed any of the Quitlet books that I have, but uh, I've gotten through about half of each of them and gotten a lot of good nuggets. And yeah, Reddit has been huge for me, especially in the beginning, you know, uh, strangers being so helpful um, and just being able to re to relate to so many people and just and, and figuring out and realizing that other people have literally the exact same issue as me and I'm not alone really help, helped me. Yeah. What doors has sobriety opened up for you? Just improving myself as a person. I don't, I think I was very stagnant for, for many, many years. And now I'm definitely, I feel like I'm back on the right track of uh, being a better person. What advice would you give to younger Alex? I wouldn't do anything differently. I've, I've learned a lot throughout this experience. I guess my advice would be, you know, you're doing, you're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's role play for a second. I'm the host of a party. Knock, knock. What's up, Alex? Can I get you a drink? How do you respond? Uh, sure. Do you have any water? Love it. It can be <laughs> that simple. And last question, Alex. What parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners? Uh, if you're not successful the first time, you're definitely going to learn on each attempt of, of sobriety. So uh, keep at it. All right, Alex. And before we depart... Give listeners your own customized, you might need to ditch the booze if line. You might need to ditch the booze if you are thinking more about drinking and wishing more for a drink than meeting your future baby. Wow. Yeah. Thank you very much for, for that and your whole story. I loved it, Alex. I appreciate it. I know it's helped me. It's going to help a lot of listeners. Thank you, Alex. Wish you the best and, and keep moving forward, my man. Thank you. Without you, the listener, there is no season one, two, three, four, or five. Thank you for your support. I know I would not be here today if it were not for this project or for your support. Now, before we depart, there is another idea that I want to plant with you today. And, and that is that many of you are tuning in from different locations. One listener may be from Lafayette, Louisiana, and the other in Brussels, Belgium. But the separation is the illusion. You are not alone while listening. You are not alone on this journey. You are not alone in your struggles with alcohol. Not at all. We are building a collective consciousness that isn't necessarily saying no to alcohol, but we are saying yes to a more authentic life, void of substances that dull our wits. We are all doing this together. All of us. Recovery Elevator, go big because eventually we'll all go home. I love you guys.